Hello, I'm Steve Rohr, and this is number 0560, the Stuff File Program, with Peter Anthony Holder, and it comes to you right now. The following program is brought to you in living color. Now, it's time for an eclectic mix of interviews and some of the oddest news stories you'll ever hear. It's the Stuff File Program, with Peter Anthony Holder. Hey there, hi there, ho there, Peter Anthony Holder here with you, and yes, this is indeed another edition of the Stuff File Program, number 0560. And coming up on this edition of the Stuff File Program, you'll meet actress Eileen Graff, best known for playing the mom, Marsha Owens, on Mr. Belvedere. How does it feel to be among the pantheon of TV moms? I was a mom when I did Mr. Belvedere. My daughter was a baby when we started, and it was just felt very, very natural. And I'm delighted that people think of me that way. It's swell to have people come up to me still to this day and say, you know, you helped raise me. Used to watch your show every afternoon when I came home from school. I had my snack, I watched you, and then I did my homework, and... It's, uh, I think it's a very nice position to be in. TV host and interviewer Bill Boggs is the author of The Adventures of Spike the Wonder Dog, as told to Bill Boggs. Before I moved to New York to do Midday Live with Bill Boggs, I had a show in North Carolina that had a dog on the show, my own pet, named Spike, who became Spike the Wonder Dog. He was usually popular. He got more fan mail than I did. Right before I left for my big break in New York, tragically, he was killed by a driver. And the idea I had was, I thought, what if Spike hadn't gotten killed? What if he had come to New York and become a huge star on television and social media in today's world? Lynette Tichelle is the star and co-creator of the show that takes place in the gym world. It's a comedy called Pump. It's about a, a trainer who got a little ahead of himself named Sean. And he made it big out of a gym in Inglewood, and he moved up to the next level. And then when he makes it, he produces a new product line that's defective. And when that happens, I mean, everything tanks. So he has to come crawling back to the only place that actually basically raised him, which is the gym. He's not going to come back the way he left it. He's not the, the alpha dog anymore. There's new people to challenge him. People have grown in their own right, and his family of co-workers is extremely dysfunctional. And there's lots Lots and lots of stuff file news and, of course, an idiot of the day. The guest Slater, the person who told you this was show number 0560, was Steve Rohr, a PR specialist in Hollywood who is also the co-author of a book called Scared Speechless. And I have to mention, Steve is also someone who has been a big friend of this show he has been supporting this show since the beginning, supplying us with guests since day one and also before on my previous job at the old radio show that I had. And when I started this show, which I had no idea whether it was going to be a success or not, Steve was there from the beginning, willing to support and help with guests, even when I didn't have an audience on day one. So thank you very much, Steve, for all the support you've given me for this show. And also thank you very much for doing the guest slate on this edition of the Stuff File Program, a show that is listener-supported, fan-funded radio that depends on you for our success. Join us at patreon.com to help make this show an even bigger and better radio 
experience. Okay, let's get right to the stuff. As we continue to hunker down with the folks we allegedly love, let's share the story of 69-year-old Virginia Hamilton. She was charged with felonious assault in Youngstown, Ohio on May the 3rd after an altercation with her live-in boyfriend. The boyfriend told police she became upset about his dirty underwear in the laundry bucket and grabbed a butcher knife. He tried to fight back with a pocket knife he had on hand. When officers arrived, Hamilton was on the front porch washing blood off of her hands, and the boyfriend was lying on a bed inside covered in blood with cuts to his arms and hands. The police report also noted that alcohol was involved. You think? Wow. If she gets this upset about dirty underwear in a laundry bucket, just think how she'll feel about large bloodstains on the bed linen. Okay. Let's go from that story, which is kind of bizarre at its best, to one that I absolutely love. At the Peace and Peas Farm in Indian Trail, North Carolina, Owners Francie and Mark Dunlop have launched a new career for their eight-year-old mini donkey, Mambo, and their other horses. For $50, Mambo, Eddie, Zeus, and other animals will make a 10-minute guest appearance to liven up your next Zoom video conference. You can even give the four-legged interloper the on-screen name of a regular attendee. For instance... Zeus might become Paul, the guy who asks too many questions. The Dunlops also arrange for their animals to visit virtual classrooms or virtual happy hours. Makes sense, because every one of these situations usually has at least one ass. Yeah. And speaking of asses, you know how some people are overly concerned about how advances in technology can override our sense of privacy? Well, if you're in that group, this next story should completely freak you out. A team of Stanford University scientists announced that they have designed a smart toilet that identifies the user by the shape of their backside and monitors the health of their wastes. Lead researcher Sanjeev Gambier said he and his team developed the Precision Health Smart Toilet to recognize users and use algorithms to analyze the health of their urination and bowel movements. The researchers said the toilet identifies users by reading their fingerprints from the flush lever, but it also uses cameras to identify them by another part of the body. Said Gambier, we know it seems weird, but as it turns out, your anal print is unique. Okay, uh... Let's pause right here for a second, shall we? How much studying went into finding out that your anal print is unique? And how proud are the parents of those who did the studying after all the hard-earned dollars they spent putting their child through graduate school? Yeah, anyway. Uh, the toilet takes video of stool samples and uses algorithms to analyze the consistency of the waste, Said Gambier, everyone uses the bathroom. There's really no avoiding it, and that enhances its value as a disease-detecting device. Yeah. 
Something tells me that there are several out there who would rather have the disease. Although, this does bring new meaning to the term smartass. Uh oh, you're getting flushed. So sorry. Anyway, let's get to our first guest here in this edition of the Stuff All program, shall we? Actress Eileen Graff is best known for playing Marsha Owens, the mom on that great 1980s ABC series, Mr. Belvedere. She's also an author, a Grammy-nominated recording artist, Broadway actress, and so much more. We were lucky enough to talk to Eileen on two previous occasions on my old radio show, once in 2007 and also in 2009. I thought it was time to catch up with Eileen once again, and she joins us via Skype from California. Hi, Eileen. Hey, Peter. How nice to hear your voice. We've had a couple of wonderful conversations that I remember well. Yeah, it was fun talking to you. I, I think one, one of the times I talked to you, uh, you were on with your co-author. Um, that would be, I guess, Donna Rosenstein. You were talking about what the other mothers know. Yes, yes. That was our book that we wrote about parenting. It was a funny book about parenting. We had a great time researching it and writing it. And uh, we got to speak to wonderful people like you all across the country <laughs> talking about the book. Now, one of the reasons I wanted to call you this time around was uh, I actually saw a video of you with Harlan Bowl, who is a great friend to this show. He's helped book a lot of guests on the program. He's a great PR guy in Hollywood. I saw him. He was singing with you <laughs> on stage. I didn't even know Harlan can sing. And when he did sing, wow. And now I find out that you're his singing coach. Well, yeah, I mean, that's some voice he's got, huh? Yeah. You know, when, when people, you know, Harlan has a very long list of fabulous clients for his, uh, uh, you know, PR business. He's a personal publicist and, you know, he's just the greatest guy. And, um, but he started out uh, as a young man, as a singer. And people just don't know that because he doesn't talk about himself. He's one of these people that it's all about you when you're with him. But I knew he sang, and he studies with me. My husband and I teach a vocal performance workshop where we work with lots of singers. And um, he, I said, you should come and take class with us. And he did, and he has just grown so much. That beautiful voice keeps getting more beautiful. And we did a holiday show this past December. And um, I wanted Harlan to be one of my special guests. And he said, really? I said, absolutely. I said, your friends and clients have to know how talented you are. So I talked him into it. And there he was on stage with me. We did a duet together. He had a big number all by himself. And I was so proud of him. And I think he really had a good time. Mm. Well, obviously, teaching is something you enjoy doing, which actually brings me back to what most people know you for. And that's Mr. Belvedere. And the reason why I link those two together is I think you did something on that show that also actress Patri uh, Patricia Heaton did years later on Everybody Loves Raymond. And that is, you are a trained actress. You're working with a lead who really wasn't an actor before. You worked with Bob Euchre. I certainly did. What was that like, you know, working with a newbie on front in front of a stage, uh, on a sitcom, doing something like that? What was that dynamic like? It was great. You know, people think of Bob as an athlete, which he was, and he built his entire show business career around the fact that he was a terrible athlete, terrible baseball player. 
But he had had a lot of experience before Mr. Belvedere. He had a series of extremely successful commercials for Miller Lite Beer. And he had been in the film Major League. And he had been performing for a long time. He was one of Johnny Carson's favorite guests. So by the time he came to us, he had been in front of the camera a lot. He knew what he was doing. What he didn't have a lot of experience with was the, the sitcom format. But being an athlete, he was so used to being coached all the time that I think maybe the first or second day he came to Christopher Hewitt, who played Mr. Belvedere and was the ultimate trained actor and me. And he said, you know, you're the pros. You just tell me what I have to do and I'll do whatever you tell me. So that was his mindset was he was there to get better. He was there to learn. He had no ego and he was great to work with. He was hilarious and he's a great guy. You know, years after doing that show, you're still known as one of the great TV moms. When you took that role in the first place, did you ever see yourself in the pantheon of great television moms <laughs> that we all grew up with? Uh, you know, I never really thought about it. That's a very good question. Uh, my, I think um, I just aged into that role. I had done a lot of uh, the girl kind of roles, a lot of bimbos and... And as I grew and grew older and grew into my 30s, it became obvious that it was time to move into the next thing. And I was a mom when I did Mr. Belvedere. My daughter was a baby when we started. And it was just felt very, very natural. And I'm delighted that people think of me that way. It's, it's swell to have people come up to me still to this day and say, you know, you helped raise me used to watch your show every afternoon when I came home from school. I had my snack. I watched you. And then I did my homework. And its uh, I think it's a very nice position to be in. Now, with the situation that's going on right now, I know some shows have been canceled. Well, everything's been canceled, basically. Uh, but you were you were supposed to be part of, uh, of an event taking place with other television moms for Mother's Day, right? Oh, yes. We were going to go to the Hollywood Museum, which is one of my favorite places in L.A. If your uh, listeners ever get a chance to come to L.A., um, please come visit the Hollywood Museum. And it was going to be a wonderful event, all saluting Hollywood moms. And unfortunately, we can't do it right now, but I'm sure that we'll do it next year or, you know, a belated Hollywood Moms event. Uh, the other women in this little crowd are are just delightful, smart, caring people, and they're funny, and I, and I love hanging out with them. I, I mentioned earlier you're a vocal coach as well. You work with your husband, who is uh, an ASCAP award-winning composer. Uh, so what's that like in the situation, uh, you and your husband making great music together, basically. And the second part of that question is now that you are in quarantine, you're spending even more time together. How, how's that dynamic? You know, we spend a lot of time at home anyway. Neither one of us are working outside of the house right now. So, uh, we've been, we're, we're used to this. The, so we're we get along really well. We give each other space. I have my office. He has his office. Uh, so this has not. It's it's been kind of normal, except of course our hearts ache every day for the people who've been sick and the people who take care of them, and we desperately miss our friends and family. Uh, but 
we get along fine. And we, I, yesterday I said, so funny you should say that. Yesterday I said to him, I want to just start singing every day. It's something that we don't normally do. I said, I want to pull out all the music I've ever sung, everything that we can find. And I just want to start singing through stuff because I think it'll help us both emotionally and musically to to have that. And it is the one thing that we've always had since the very, very beginning is that I was the singer and he was the music guy. And it still is that way today. And speaking of the current situation that's going on, you're doing some work to help support frontline uh, healthcare workers, right? Yes. Um, there's a wonderful woman named Meggie Hale, and she has a company called Nutrient Soak. And Meggie has been uh, spearheading this effort to get, you know, so-called celebs, whatever you want to call us, to do these uh, little videos to encourage businesses to do what they can to help our frontline workers like Meggie has donated a ton of product it's just it, you know you put it in the bathtub you soak you feel better she thought that would be a great thing to donate to the frontline workers it's her company she can do that so we've been encouraging other companies to donate what they have what they think the frontline workers could use and and would enjoy having um, including of course the protective equipment that they need so badly uh, and I have also, you know, I'm on the Western Council of the Actors Fund, which is an organization that helps every entertainment professional in need, not just actors. So there's been a lot of fundraising going on around the Actors Fund. And I've posted a video of me singing. And I said, if you enjoyed my song, please donate money. And those kinds of things that, you know, we, we feel that we can do. There's so much we cannot do. But there are things that we can do, and Meggie's efforts and the efforts of our entertainment community to raise funds for our brothers and sisters in education are things that we can do. You know, one of the things I, th I find very interesting about the times we're living in right now is a lot of celebrities are wondering what they can do, how can they, you know, what part can they play in all of this. And the way I like to th uh, think about it, it's, it's, it's like going back to World War II or even Vietnam. The USO tours... It's just that you're not working for general infantry anymore. You're working for the general population. And people are doing things online these days that are, are really a boost to those who are, are going a little stir-crazy in some cases. <laughs> you know, I, I never thought of that being sort of like modern-day USO. But in, a, but in a way, you're right. That's really interesting thinking. Yes, I mean, the, 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 the entertainers have done an amazing job of working with technology and figuring out what to do to give us all something unique and interesting to watch and to feel that we are bonded together. I'm very proud of, of all of the efforts that are going. I mean, every day there's something interesting to watch, uh, to show that we care, that you know your favorite performers care about you, they're trying to raise money for you, trying to raise everybody's spirits. I think some of the efforts have been fantastic. For example, the Stephen Sondheim 90th birthday party uh, concert the other night. It was all performers at home, absolutely top A-list Broadway performers raising money for um, children in the arts because none of us can do our big fundraising events right now. And they just did a great job of of raising spirits and, and raising money, which we need very badly. 
I, I think this is one of the things that's going to actually. I mean, it's 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 a tragedy for the amount of lives that are lost. That's that's for sure. But when all is said and done, and this is over, I think um, we might actually come out of this as as better people. And I also think that, as I said earlier, I I, I think it's celebrities like yourself and everyone else who are doing things uh, that are online uh, that are are going to be helpful to people. In, in the long run, and it, it, I, I think it shows our humanity to a certain degree. In that we actually do care about each other. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, I, I watch Governor Cuomo every morning, even though I live in California. I grew up in New York. My daughter lives in New York with my son-in-law, and I feel very, very connected to New York. So I watch Governor Cuomo every day, and, you know, some of the things he says are, are very similar to what you're saying, is that this is brought out the best in people. It's also brought out the worst in some people. But on the whole, we have uh, all been going out of our way to be kind to each other and be considerate of each other. And it's brought, keeps bringing back to our reality how interwoven we are, how interwoven the world is, and how we cannot survive without each other. I mean, we literally can't survive unless we all do the right thing. And, uh, I think it is inspiring, Peter, the way that people are showing that they care about each other. Well, Eileen, I thank you very, very much for taking the time to talk with us. Um, uh, I hope you get back to coaching people uh, singing uh, really soon. And and I hope you get back on the, the either the big or the small screen. We'd love to see you again. I mean, a lot of people enjoyed you from the days when you were Marsha Owens on Mr. Belvedere, and we, we'd love to see you again in something new. I thank you very, very much for taking the time to be on the program with us. It was absolutely my pleasure, Peter. I look forward to talking to you again very soon. Take good care. Actress Eileen Graff. You can go to my website at thestuffile.com, check out the show number for this program, which is show number 0560, and you'll find links to both Eileen's website and also links to the website nutrientsoak.com, which has a list of companies that you can donate to to help frontline healthcare workers and also some celebrity testimonial videos that you can watch. You're listening to The Stuff File Program with me, Peter Anthony Holder. The Stuff File Program is a listener-supported, fan-funded radio show that depends on you for our success. Join us at Patreon.com to help make this show an even bigger and better radio experience. Sign up and find out about our rewards program. Being a patron doesn't have to be a long-term commitment. There's absolutely no obligation. You could join today and end whenever you'd like. But the time we have your support would be so greatly appreciated. We'd also love to hear your thoughts about the show and even your ideas for rewards. Join us for the ride. Join us at patreon.com slash the stuff file program. Coming to you from Canada, the land of universal health care, colorful money, and the correct spelling of the word theater. This is The Stuff File with Peter Anthony Holder. And still to come in the program, we'll talk to author Bill Boggs. His book is The Adventures of Spike the Wonder Dog. Plus, we'll meet Lynette Tichelle, who is the star and co-creator of the series Pump. We also have an idiot of the day coming your way a little later on, and much more Stuff File news here on the Stuff File program, which is heard everywhere, including on Stitcher and TuneIn, and can also be heard via Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. 
Just click on the Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, or Spotify buttons located on the website at thestufffile.com. And whichever platform you listen to the program on, please feel free to leave a review of the show on their site. It would be greatly appreciated. Well, let's get back to the stuff. A Louisiana police department is warning residents to beware of an aggressive chicken that has been terrorizing bank customers at a drive through and walk-up ATM. The Walker Police Department said officers who responded to a report of a chicken attack at a bank were told by employees that the foul foul has been chasing customers and attempting to get into their cars for several days. The department's Facebook post said that the chicken has also, quote, failed to engage in proper social distancing, unquote. Officers were unable to locate the chicken, which the department said apparently anticipated the imminent arrival of law enforcement and fled on foot from the scene. The post goes on to say that the chicken is wanted on charges of assault, attempted battery, attempted burglary, terrorizing, and ignoring an order of the governor. Okay, interesting. When that chicken is caught, it's going to kick the bucket, and then it will be in one. Two landscapers were charged with DUIs for driving the same vehicle at the same time in Palm Beach Gardens, Florida, after police pulled over an SUV that had been reported to be driving recklessly on April 15th. The officers spotted 24-year-old Alfredo Lopez Chaz behind the wheel, but by the time an officer approached the car, Chaz was standing outside it, and 20-year-old Martin Lopez Chaz was in the driver's seat. The younger man, apparently a brother, had slid over from the passenger seat, put the car in gear, and tried to escape, but the officer pulled him out of the car. Both men, police noted, smelled of alcohol, and both had wet their pants. Neither had a valid driver's license. Boy, I bet they were angry about being arrested, which means if you add up all the facts in this story, these two managed to cover every single definition of the word pissed. And finally, in this section of Stuff File News, before we get to our next guest here in this edition of the Stuff File program with me, Peter Anthony Holder, how far would you go to get some wine? In this story, we meet a man who literally has gone to the extreme, and all I have to say is there's got to be an easier way than what this daredevil tried with a wine tanker truck. And even more stunning is that he pulled it off, at least for a little while. The Modesto, California Highway Patrol arrested Gabriel Marino after he allegedly jumped on a moving tanker truck carrying bulk red wine, climbed under its belly to unscrew a valve, and drank the wine as the truck traveled up Highway 99. Video of the wild ride was recorded on the Cherokee Freight Lines tanker. That's the truck that Marino targeted. The dash cam video first shows Marino in a sedan, putting on his hazard lights, directing the truck to the side of the highway. The truck driver pulls over, believing he may have a mechanical problem, only to see Marino get out with only his underwear on. The camera shows Marino running to the passenger side of the truck and out of view. As the truck driver pulls back on the freeway, another onboard camera captures Marino jump back into view, then on the back of the wine truck. With no shirt and no shoes, and 
no pants, basically, he rides on the side of the tanker. The video then shows him climb underneath the truck as it hits freeway speeds. That's when the driver noticed the dashboard gauge showing he was losing fluids, hundreds of gallons of wine. So he called the CHP. Said Modesto CHP officer Tom Olson, I've listened to thousands and thousands of calls. This one is up there in the top 10. The truck driver allegedly found Marino in an unusual position. Marino had unscrewed a valve underneath the truck as it was traveling north on Highway 99, then sent the tanker's wine gushing and Marino gulping as much as he could. The trucking company says they lost about a thousand gallons of red wine, most of it ending up on Highway 99. That's enough to fill about 5,000 bottles. Well, this is a guy who definitely has got to go to an AA meeting. Not just because he needs help, which he does, clearly, but because with all the drunk stories these meetings have heard through the years, they need a tale that would make everyone in the room shake their heads and say, wow, you win. Anyway, let's get to our next guest here in this edition of the Stuff All program, shall we? Bill Boggs is what you might call a renaissance man. He is an Emmy award-winning talk show host and producer. He's also an author and professional speaker. He began his career as a comedy writer, so it's no surprise that he has a new book out called The Adventures of Spike the Wonder Dog, as told to Bill Boggs. Bill joins us on the line right now from New York. Hi, Bill. Thank you very much, Peter. Hello to you. And this is not a children's book. This is an R-rated satirical novel. Sometimes people think, oh, the Avengers of Spike, that sounds like a little ch- puppy running across the field. No, this, this, this is laced with satire. Where did the idea of Spike come from? Um, I, before I moved to New York to do Midday Live with Bill Boggs, I had a show in North Carolina that had a dog on the show, my own pet named Spike, who became Spike the Wonder Dog. It was usually popular. He got more fan mail than I did. Right before I left for my big break in New York, tragically, he was killed by a driver driving 60 miles an hour down a little road, and it was just horrible. But anyway, that was back in, in the mid-'70s. And the idea I had was, when I decided I wanted to write another novel, I did write, my first novel was actually opting for a movie, but the movie never got made. That was like a comedy love story. And this one, I thought, what if Spike hadn't gotten killed? What if he had come to New York and become a huge star on television and social media in today's world? And of course, his master is a talk show host like me, just like I was in in, uh, in High Point, North Carolina, when I had, when I had Spike, so that's where I got the idea. And as soon as I sat down to write it, Peter, the voice of this crazy, funny, critical, observational dog, seeing human foibles and insincerities and everything like that, came racing out of me. And I wrote the book in about in about two years. Now, you you talk about this voice coming out of you and how yeah. it, it just almost wrote itself. How well? How how uh, wrote itself, but I was writing in a voice I had never written in before. Okay. It was like a whole new thing had occurred. How how similar to the and I'm doing air quotes the voice of Spike. How close is it to the Spike you remember as the dog you had, or is this a complete fabrication? 
Well, of course, the dog I had very unfortunately could not talk or he would have been an even bigger star. So in a way, like I imagined he was quite a clown and I imagined his personality. There was something that when you're writing a novel and you can take somebody, you know, and then base a character on them, it's not really them, but the very the fact that you anchor it in that person enables you to create a, a big, wide character that's just inspired by somebody, but isn't really they. Well, in his case, somehow, I imagine that's what the dog's personality was like. But that's, that imagining faded pretty quickly, and I, and I just had the facility to write in that voice. Now you... it's, it's very difficult. That's a good, that's an extremely good question. It's very difficult to actually define what happened. But something happened in the creative process that had never happened to me before because I was imagining the dog. Now, you mentioned right off the top that this is not a children's book. So when you were yeah. writing this book, who did you perceive your audience to be? Who were you writing towards? That's another, another good question. Well, <clears throat> I was writing to make people laugh. I was <clears throat> writing for, shall we say, <clears throat> the audience of Family Guy, the audience of Dave Chappelle, somebody who wants to be the audience is somebody who goes to a comedy club. The audience is somebody who watches something on television because they want to laugh or watches like a romantic comedy or a satire or something like that. That, that was the audience I was writing. I wasn't writing for, you know, a love-struck audience, an audience of people who, who are you know, really politically, they wanted to hear about politics and stuff like that. Looking for people who are looking for entertainment and laughter. As you said, I started my career in comedy, so the adventure of Spike the Underdog it was all the way back when I was in my 20s working in comedy. Now, as your book entails, Spike rockets to TV and internet fame after appearing on The Tonight Show with Jimmy, Fannel, J Jimmy Fallon. Yeah. I'm wondering, right, have you had the opportunity to get this book in the hands of said Jimmy Fallon? No, I haven't. He's a member of the Friars Club. In fact, and I haven't had an opportunity to do it, but uh, that will happen. But I, I, I've written a multiple choice question on that. Spike and his master Bud get to appear on The Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon in the book. See if you can figure out which one of these four reasons is how they got on the show. One, Spike and uh, Bud and Jimmy meet at a bar, drink three bottles of Muscatay, and <laughs> Jimmy invites Bud. Two, Bud and Jimmy get involved in an epic jello shot drinking contest. Bud wins, and he gets invited to the show. <clears throat> Three, Spike rips off Donald Duck's head during a Disney World on Ice show. And four, we're really not sure ourselves, but they're on the show. I'll a, B, C, or D. I'll, I'll go with uh, B was the jello shots? Nope. <clears throat> Spike is doing a show promo at the Greensboro Coliseum with Disney World on Ice. He loves Donald Duck. So he runs up alongside Donald Duck, who's skating happily along, and bumps into Donald like a friendly bump. Donald's head starts to come off. Spike jumps up to try to stable Donald. The head comes off in his mouth, and Spike likes that, and he runs around the ring twice while people go crazy. And what happens is everybody shoots him with their cell phones, and Jimmy Fallon sees it, and they get on the Tonight Show to do a trick. Uh, I know, that's early in the book. It it sounds, not only does it sound like a fascinating book, but it, it also sounds like it's something that's 
that at the very least has to be turned into an animated show, if not a live action show. Are you? Do you have thoughts of, of putting Spike on the small screen? Well, wouldn't we like that? Um, just about 20 minutes ago, I hit the send button on my computer to send the complete manuscript, the electronic press kit, and the complete cover design to an agent on the West Coast who represents properties. So a win-win situation is the book is a hit, someone buys the property, and I'm back on your show in a year and a half talking about that fact. How's that? That would be phenomenal. That would be fantastic. If you let me back, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen after this. Absolutely. I mean, you are leg- you are legendary. Uh, uh, you you were on the long running midday live. Uh, you hosted Thank Bill you. Boggs' uh, <laughs> corner table. Uh, you did something that I actually did. You wrote a book about the interviews you did. Yours is called "Got What It Takes." So um, you wrote that book with interviews with highly successful people. I get. I often get asked this question about who's your favorite person to interview in your book. So I'll, I'll turn the tables and ask you that question about yourself. Who was the favorite person you got to interview in your book? Got what it takes. Uh, I think Sir Richard Branson. He was um, the, the guy has a tremendous vibe. He, he has a swashbuckling character. His his life story is phenomenal. I mean, here's a guy who dropped out of school because he couldn't stand advanced school, drove his parents crazy, went to work in a record shop, and then founded Virgin Records and Virgin Airlines and trains and shooting people into space. Very impressive man, Sir Richard Branson. Wow. Very impressive indeed. And uh, don't sell yourself short. You're a very impressive man, too. The book, the current book, is called The Adventures of Spike the Wonder Dog, as told to Bill Boggs. And people can also check out your website, which is uh, billboggs.com. You also have uh, an extensive YouTube page. People can also see some of your your previous works as as well, right? Yeah, Peter, yeah, there's about 475 uh, clips from various shows and people over a 40-year period. It's Bill Boggs TV on YouTube. It's, it's my archive. It's my life work. And, uh, and if, if you go there, just subscribe. It's free. And then you get a notice. Every once in a while, we put something new up there. But there are a lot of people there. and it, it, you can it, Now that people are looking for more entertainment, I also do a live show um, Every Friday at 5 o'clock, I just started doing this called Trap Live, which is on my Facebook page and also on the Bill Boggs TV YouTube channel, where I interview celebrities at home. You know, it's, it's, it's never been, as Bill Maher said on Friday night, it's never been easier to book guests. It's very easy to book guests these days. Yeah, I saw Bill Maher say that, and, and I had to laugh out loud because I, I can concur. It's the same thing for me as well. Bill, I thank you very, very much for taking the time to be on the program with us. It's been a pleasure and an honor to have a chance to talk to you. Peter, you're terrific. We asked three really good questions, and I appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you very much. Bill Boggs, author of The Adventures of Spike the Wonder Dog, as told to Bill Boggs. You can go to my website at thestufffile.com, check out the show number for this program, which is show number 0560, and you'll find links to Bill's site, and also links to either Amazon.com or Amazon.ca, where you can order his book directly. 
You're listening to the Stuff File program with me, Peter Anthony Holden. Got something for the mailbag? Drop Peter a line. He'd love to hear from you. Send your email to mailbag at thestufffile.com. And remember, stuff is spelled S-T-U-P-H. That's mailbag at thestufffile.com. Or catch up with him on Twitter or Facebook. There's more Stuff File coming your way in just a few moments. Peter Anthony Holder here. Often I mention my book, Great Conversations, my interviews with two men on the moon and a galaxy of stars. I also often mention that I'd like you to become a patron of the Stuff File program via Patreon.com. Well, this is my opportunity to combine both of those pleas to you. You've heard me say on many occasions about the myriad of celebrities I've had the chance to talk to that are contained in my book, which is published by Bear Manor Media. You've also heard me mention that some of the celebrities in my book, and many others, can be heard on our page at Patreon.com. Well, if you've been on the fence about joining Patreon, let me try to pull you over to our side. By becoming a patron, you help to make this show an even bigger and better radio experience. And if you do become a regular patron, as a Patreon reward, I'll share with you an electronic version of my book for your e-reader. So join Patreon and claim your copy of Great Conversations, my interviews with two men on the moon and a galaxy of stars. Sign up today at patreon.com slash the stuff file program. This is your safe haven from the hard news of the day. The Stuff File Program with Peter Anthony Holder. It's radio for your happy place. And still to come on the program, we'll talk to the star and co-creator of Pump. Plus, we do indeed have an idiot of the day coming your way. And much more Stuff File news here on The Stuff File Program, which is also heard on Stitcher, the smarter way to listen to radio, and also on Spotify. Now, 50-year-old Katrina Morgan called 911 on May the 2nd in Port Clinton, Ohio, asking for the fire department because, quote, I need somebody to come put it out with their hose. It was her crotch. She told the dispatcher it was on fire. Police responding to her call arrested Morgan for making false reports and for disrupting public services and found empty bottles of alcohol in the house. Other people at the home admitted they'd been drinking, but said they didn't see her using the telephone. Well, if she's just horny because she's drunk, she needs to sober up. If she feels her crotch is actually on fire, she needs medical attention. And finally, in this section of Stuff File News, before we get to our final guest here in this edition of the Stuff File program with me, Peter Anthony Holder... An Iowa drug addict was worried that her meth was contaminated. 53-year-old Sean Salmon drove to the Sioux City Police Department to air her worries. Officers noted she admitted to recently using the drug, appeared paranoid, was acting erratically, and sweating buckets. She requested officers to check her narcotics for the COVID-19 virus. During a search, cops recovered 14.4 grams of meth, marijuana, and a large amount of drug paraphernalia. She was arrested on felony narcotic charges. By the way, Salmon works as a psychiatric mental health nurse practitioner for two medical centers. She told followers on her Facebook page to wake the bleep up. All in capitals, by the way and to take social distancing seriously. Yeah, Um, this is a first responder that we can probably do without. 
She's in a whole meth of trouble right now. Anyway, let's go to our last guest here in this edition of the Stuff File program, shall we? These days, it seems that new streaming services are popping up everywhere. Well, there is one called Urban Flix TV, which will feature both new series and movies. One of the shows that's coming out on Urban Flix TV is called Pump, which stars Lynette Tichelle, who is not only the star, but she's the co-creator of the series as well. Lynette joins us via Skype from Woodland Hills, California. Hi, Lynette. Hey, thank you for having me. Thank you for being on the program with us. You know, in this day and age, people always talk about if you want to get things done, you got to just do them yourself from a creative point of view. So as I said, not only are you the star of the show, you co-created this series. So tell us what (laughs) Pump is all about. Wow. Okay, so Pump is a really, really, really fun comedy that basically has a lot of heart underneath of it. So we're sneaking in some lessons people are going to end up seeing a lot of the characters grow while having a really good time. So Pump basically is about us. It's about a, a trainer who got a little ahead of himself named Sean. And he made it big out of a gym in Inglewood. And he moved up to the next level. Think Sean T from Insanity. He's got the supplement deal. He got the workout videos. He's, he's a major star. And then when he makes it, he, he produces a new product line that's defective. And when that happens, I mean, everything tanks. So, you know, the blogs are after him. He's a a paparazzi punching bag. And there's nobody else who wants to touch him. So he has to come crawling back to the only place that actually uh, basically raised him, which is the gym. And that's where he he left the gym called Pump, based in Inglewood, California. And when he comes back, he's not going to come back the way he left it. He's not the, the alpha dog anymore. There's new people to challenge him, people have grown in their own right, and his family of co-workers is extremely dysfunctional, to say the least. And what, so, role, <laughs> what, what role do you play? Well, I play, I, I feel like I'm quite helpful in Sean's journey. No, I'm not that helpful, but I am the front desk receptionist, and I basically know everybody's info at the gym. I do a lot more um, with my side hustle than actually checking in members, and I, I give Sean a pretty hard time. But, yeah, I'm, I'm the receptionist. Uh, so, I basically, I see all, I know all, and I have blackmail on all. And then he's got to come back to a girl that he left behind, played by Jennifer Freeman. And then he's got uh, Michael Jai, who basically is our, our gym manager in the heart and soul and kind of the father figure. And then, you know, a crazy nutritionist, a spin instructor, and, and nemesis. So, it's the, the gym, we've basically created a brand new world that people might have seen in shows like uh, way back in the day, like uh, in a bar. It's an open, revolving door of of people that happen to come to this one place, you know, to, to fulfill a workout, a connection, whatever you had, you know, whatever you come to the gym for. Now, I haven't seen the show, but I get just by the description, I get the feeling that you play uh, a receptionist with attitude. You know, I got a little bit of, um, (laughs) I might have a little bit of attitude, but I think it's warranted. (laughs) Uh, Tell us how this all came to be. As I said, you are the co-creator of the show. So was, what was the conception of the show? Where did the, the, the idea come from? And was it a difficult process uh, shopping it around? Wow. That's such a great question. This, The creation of the show actually started several years back when we were um, thinking of a different, a brand, uh, it was a different name for the show called Crunches. 
And then, of course, we were like, oh, crunch gyms are everywhere. That's going to be a little bit confusing. And it was around the time where it was a lot of conversations that uh, myself, uh, Corey Grant, who director and uh, he's also the co-creator with me, we were just having uh, about different ideas that we could bring to the screen that would basically involve a huge cast, multicultural. It would force a lot of worlds to collide. And then that was the that's where we landed. We were like the gym, the gym. And then drawing from personal experiences and people that we both knew that were either a gym manager at one point, worked at a gym. I have um, some friendships with quite a lot of personal trainers and spin instructors. And then we started talking just about, okay, well, what happens on this day? Well, there's a line out the door for this class. And there are people who will fight over this spin bike. And I mean, and it just became so funny, just the truth of things that happen in the gym. And so we started with the truth and then we expanded and added layers and and brought in character types of people that we knew personally and injected those into let's give that to the spin instructor. Let's make that his thing. And let's talk about this nutritionist who is do what I say, not what I do. So, you know, he does not practice what he preaches at all. And I've caught several people doing that. (laughs) So those, that was basically the genesis for, okay, how can we make these characters as alive as possible, but as real as possible. And uh, the journey started a couple years back. And it grew and, and grew and went uh, underwent a name change and the process for shopping it. At one point, it was sitting at a network for about, I think, a couple of months, maybe up to a year. And then they um, they were saying, as soon as we can get back around to it, we want to do it. And then this opportunity ended up presenting itself by way of Urban Flicks TV. And Urban Flicks changed the game for us. Really, really changed the game. Well, and um, basically, I don't know if you know what Urban Flix is, but it's a multicultural streaming platform. They're giving um, opportunities for, you know, for writers, directors to, to come in and, and and basically they loosen the rule book for us and let us just go. How determined were you? And conversely, was there any concern or thought of, of giving up? In this long process of getting something uh, from your mind to the page into the hands of somebody who says, yes, we'll green light this. Wow. And to answer that question, there was never a moment of, um, of giving up. I think what happens a lot of times is you, you get this idea out and you feel like <laughs> it's ready right now. It should be picked up tomorrow. It's so good. I'm so excited. And then you can be crushed when your work is sitting and waiting for a home. But that's why we always like to say, you know, creators create. So in the meantime, in between time, you have to create more work to become stimulated. And then sometimes you end up in the waiting process, figuring out things that you can do to go back to that script, to change it, to make revisions, to make it more even modern as, you know, as you're waiting. So I think that the short answer is you can't give up. You just have to create something else so you don't go crazy. (laughs) Uh, you mentioned other shows, uh, workplace shows, place uh, shows that uh, took place at a bar, for instance. There's one particular show that we all remember where apparently everyone knows your name, and that was a bar <laughs> that ran for 11 years on TV. Is that your hope and dream for the show, Pump? Would you like to see it go for at least a decade? <laughs> I'm, I'm open to seeing Pump go for as long as uh, as the storylines can continue to evolve. If that's a decade, I'd, I welcome it. I definitely welcome it. 
And so, yeah, and, and I, I love that we both know the show that we're <laughs> that you just sung. <laughs> now, again, I, I, you you mentioned a little bit about Urban Flix TV, uh, but can you tell us a little bit more about it for those who aren't familiar with it? Because it's a brand new s- streaming service. Absolutely. So Urban Flix TV, it's like you said, it's a brand new streaming service. It just just launched on May 1st and pumped was one of the four original shows that was able to launch along with the, the network. So it's a streaming network. It's a very diverse, it's a wide, way, a wide range of genres. Um, of course, Pump is a comedy. I know that they've got drama, there's horror, there's there, there's a lot of original content that's going to be popping up there too, as well as, you know, acquired content and uh, projects that people haven't even seen on other platforms yet. So it's just really, really exciting because uh, Herb Kimball, the the owner of Urban Flicks, just empowers so many different filmmakers to, to basically come in. He waters the vision and he says, OK, I believe in it and, and go do it. And I want to represent a broad range of people. And I want everybody that's looking to feel like I see myself here. I see myself here in, in a prominent role in in the way that I really see myself in society. And so that's what Urban Flix is striving to do. Is, uh, their, their logo is uh, Movies for Everyone. And Pump is a comedy, as you mentioned. Uh, how many episodes in the first season? Right now, we have six episodes released. And you can stream all of them right now. Urban Flix is free for the first seven days. So, um, as like I said, it, it launched May 1st. And I found out people have already been binging the entire series so get in there what's the feedback been like and are you are you were you concerned worried i mean you know nowadays you have a situation <laughs> where you know back in the day you would open the newspaper and look at the reviews if you had a play or a new television show right. but now with social media it's almost instant and it's real people and real people can be more effusive or more brutal <laughs> than a reviewer so <laughs> Are, are you are you reading the the, rem, the remarks and the comments with like one eye open or how do you, how does that work? I think that when it, when when Pump uh, launched on on May first on Urban Flix, I I definitely held my breath for a sec because I was like, oh, it starts. <laughs> and what I will say is that every single piece of feedback has just been everything I've seen so far has been completely positive and the most. The most that I'm reading is, oh, my goodness, this show is edgier than I thought it was going to be. That is the constant feedback. And I love it. So I think a lot of people thought, oh, OK, they're going to play it safe. But we, we we push the boundaries on a lot. We push the boundaries on the comedy. We push the boundaries on what the characters are uh, getting into and how they respond to one another. And I think the biggest feedback has been I wasn't ready. And so I'm cool with that. <laughs> Well, you people have been warned. Now they can be ready. The show is called Pump. It is on Urban Flix TV. Congratulations on your success and uh, many more seasons to come. Thank you very much, Lynette, for being on the program with us. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Lynette Tichel, the star and co-creator of the new series Pump. That's on the new streaming service called Urban Flix TV. You can go to my website at thestufffile.com, check out the show number for this program, which is show number 0560, and you'll find links to Lynette's site. You're listening to The Stuff File Program with me, Peter Anthony Holder. It's time now for The Idiot of the Day. And now it's time for The Strange Things Adults Do. The Stuff File presents The Idiot of the Day. 
I actually posted the video of this up on the Stuff File fan page on Facebook last week so you can see and hear it in all of its glory. A Kentucky woman was caught on video shopping with a hole cut in the middle of her protective mask, which she claimed made it easier to breathe. In the video, Joe Samen, a gas station clerk in Lexington, sees the woman entering the shop with a torn mask. When she came in to pay for her gas, here's part of the conversation he had with her. How are you doing? Pretty good. I need 10 on pump one, please. Uh, where'd you get that mask from? Well, since we have to wear them and it makes it harder to breathe, it just makes it a lot easier to breathe. Cutting it? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'll, I'll do that too. Thanks for the advice. Appreciate you. The video, which the uploader titled Karen Mask, has already received about a million likes and thousands of comments on TikTok. Now, why? Oh, why? Would you take a mask that is supposed to cover your mouth and nose for a reason, then cut a hole in it where your mouth and nose are? This makes it a lot easier to breathe. No. Wrong answer. It's because... You're an idiot! Gee, I'm only a kid, but even I know you're an idiot. And that's it for this edition of The Stuff File Program, number 0560. Hope you enjoyed it. The website is thestufffile.com, and once again, stuff is spelled S-T-U-P-H, where you'll find information and links in all of our guests by going to the weekly Stuff File page. Just look for the corresponding program number, and once again, that's 0560. Email me at peter at thestufffile.com. You can also find me on Facebook and Twitter as P.A. Holder. And don't forget to check us out on Patreon.com where you can become a patron of the program. Hope to see you back here for our next show on the air, online, or as a download. We're coming to you from everywhere, including CyberStationUSA.com, GDPR Revolution 99, KDXRadio.com, AirChecker, Canada's number one radio source, PCJ Radio International and its partner stations, TrueTalkRadio.com, downloaded on Apple or Google Podcasts, streaming on Spotify and Stitcher, and over the air on World FM in New Zealand, MediaCore in Singapore, and WSTJ in St. Johnsbury, Vermont. That's it. Bye-bye. been listening to the Stuff File program with Peter Anthony Holder, a presentation of Flying Fish Communications. Guests of the Stuff File program stay at their own homes. Trust me, I'm the voice for this program. I know there's no budget for accommodations. I'm reading this on a futon.